0: Com. Are
1: you ready to get started?
2: Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Leading Edge Cricket Podcast. Today it's the Rich and Rob Show. We're getting stuck into the whole world of world cricket. There is so much going on. We've kind of been in a bit of a lull. Uh, the English <laughs> lull as you go from um, the Ashes and the T20 World Cup mm. to the next great series, which is down in West Indies. Now, There's a whole bunch of stuff going on around the world and today we're kind of going to go and break out what's been going on. There's been some spectacular performances, there's been ins and outs going around the world, so plenty to go through. And while you're here, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you are listening
1: to us. Rich, how are you? How are you feeling about the world of cricket? I'm pretty good, mate. I'm pretty good. There's been tons on. Every time we get to this, it's like, oh my God, there's so much cricket going on. You'd think we'd stop being surprised by now, wouldn't you? But there's always (laughs) cricket. Cricket never sleeps, Rob. There's plenty going on around the world at the moment. And I think it's time we had a little bit of chat about it. I'd really want as well to, for us to revisit the England squad to see if our thoughts and feelings have changed. The Andersons, the broads, the, yeah. the others, the no butlers, etc. I'd really like to see about that later on in this pod as well. I think that'll be a fun thing to have a chat about. No, it it mm. definitely is. And actually,
2: I feel mm. slightly different from where Ooh. I felt originally, which is I didn't think I would feel. but. Information is power and I've been reading more and watching more and uh, I've got more of a balanced view these days. So we'll start well, off, Rich. boring. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> why be balanced? <laughs> in a world where exactly. no one is currently balanced, why be balanced? <laughs>
1: exactly. Who wants um,
2: that? Starting in India. India, Sri Lanka going on, Rich.
1: Yes, so India-Sri Lanka, we have three T20s and two Test matches coming up. First T20 got underway today. Uh, first Test match starts 4th of March, so that's something we're going to be all over. But the first game today, India, they look superior. It's as simple as that, Rob. Um, the first T20, they've won easily by 62-run margin. Ishan Kishan, man of the match performance with him, 89 runs. And Sheras Ear, 57 not out. So a very, very convincing win. There looks a bit of a gulf between these two sides, Rob.
2: There is a gulf between these two sides, Rich. There's breaking no, news. Yeah, breaking. breaking news. India are good at cricket and Sri Lanka are rebuilding. Who would have thought it? But it's, yeah, it's it, it just is where these two teams are at. We saw Absolutely. the T20 World Cup. We saw moments of Sri Lankan brilliance. We've seen players like Hasaranga where you go, wow, world-class, number one bowler in the world, mm-hmm. world-class. Got the stupid delivery now where he tries to bowl it from as low as possible. Never seen Mm -hmm. it go for less than four runs, so I don't know what he's doing there. But There's me with no T20 internationals telling him how to do it. They've come off a really average performance in Australia. They had had moments Mm. where they competed, and I guess it's Mm. your performances in Australia which are kind of leading you up to the World Cup in Australia of how good are we in these conditions. And they had moments where they were there and they won the final T20 international. But if there's one thing we've learned in the world of cricket, Rich, is it's going to india to play cricket is not very easy and it's not yeah. very easy for sri lanka they got they got it handed to them pretty convincingly a 62 mm. run victory in t20 yeah. cricket is not good and just goes to reaffirm indian dominance but i don't think i don't think you can look at it and go it's all doom and gloom for sri lanka there are moments that kind of stick out and go, that's okay. Jayawikarama wasn't bad. He wasn't bad against Australia. It's not saying mm. he's world-class or anything like that, but there needs to be more of these players that can play a supporting role. They need to find five bowlers mm. capable of going at less than under eight in a in a contest rather than having guys going at 11s and 12s. So there are some positives, but <laughs> what's, what's your hot take coming out of this? Uh, Bhuvaneshu Kumar was good. Jasper Bumrah was still the best T20 yeah. seaman in the world. It, uh, isn't it
1: good to see Bhuvneshwar back involved? You know he's not been around the setup as much, has he recently? So it's nice to see him back involved and in getting a couple of wickets. And it's quite an exciting time for Indian cricket as well. They are they are transitioning a little bit themselves. You know there are players in this setup that haven't been around and they're not as well known. So it's really good. It's an opportunity for everyone to see those those uh, those names. Um, and also it's exciting times for India in general, isn't it? IPL Rob, it's been yeah. announced it's going to start March twenty six. Lots to be excited about. Lots.
2: Um, I actually, what? it was the first time that I can remember the auction was televised live on TV on Sky Sports out here down in mm. New Zealand. And I assume it was the same in the UK because Twitter was a hotbed of people just kind of throwing mm. themselves into it and enjoying it. Mm. And I actually enjoyed the spectacle. Four, four yeah. or five years ago, whenever they did the last mega auction, I, mm. we kind of I think we sat on the podcast actually and we said it feels like a, a cattle market. And I'm not quite sure how um, ethically we all feel about it. But actually, for what it was this time around, I really enjoyed Mm. the IPL auction. And it was good Mm. to see some English players go out there Mm. and really get paid quite well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd like, obviously, before the IPL starts, I'd like us to talk a bit more about it uh, and talk about that. And also who didn't get picked up. I think there's some really interesting players that didn't get picked up in in this, this year's IPL. Um, one in particular, Sirius Rayner. I don't know if he still is, but he's he's there or thereabouts the leading run scorer ever in IPL, isn't he? So, yeah, it's it's really, it's just such a good competition as is the PSL, which we're going to get onto in a moment as well. But before we get onto PSL, Rob, I just want to quickly talk about what's been going on in Christchurch, your neck of the woods. Um, A rather convincing test win, it has to be said, against South Africa. This has not not gone well for South Africa to start with, has it? (laughs) No. This, no. is, this is strange, mate, because South
2: Africa, like playing cricket in South Africa, uh, if you're a subcontinent team, is really difficult. Just like going to play in the subcontinent is difficult yeah. for people from different, uh, different backgrounds, different countries, different mm. surfaces that they're used to playing on different conditions. South Africa always do well against New Zealand. And I, mm. I haven't got the stats in front wow. of me, but this is the first New Zealand victory over, uh, over South Africa in forever and a day. <laughs> like it, it just doesn't happen. I would actually, I again, I, I can't fact check this, but I'm sure I've seen that New Zealand has never beat South Africa in a series before. That's how big it's it is fat. to be able to put up one of these performances. But it was such a yeah. a New Zealand performance in New Zealand. Yeah. The, the, well, the pitches in New Zealand do a bit; they're a bit green, but th- actually flatten out, and a decent cricket wickets <laughs> yeah. after about day two. Yeah. And every time New Zealand do well, insert mm. the opposition bowl first, bowl them out cheaply. It's what they did to India when India toured here back in 2018 or 19. You know, Mm. India got whitewashed. I think it was 3-0. Hi, India. And Mm -hmm. South Africa were just rabbits in the headlight. Like, you would have thought South Africa would have been coming out, chess bulging, full of confidence, to beat India at home after being being 1-0 down and winning 2-1. And then just turn up here Mm -hmm. and they were amazing, the Black Caps. Yeah. But there was a clear lack of confidence around the yeah.
1: south african team yeah well let's get everyone caught up just for, for those of you who are not paying attention what's going on you should be south africa up as you know as you were watching skittled 95 all out in that first innings of the first test and simply from there you're not going to find your way back are you it's as easy yeah. as that um a 276 run and innings victory for new zealand matt henry seven for 23 in the first innings not bad, not a bad start for him. Was that why he got man of the match, Rob? Maybe. Let's let's ponder <laughs> on. Let's move on. Let's see what else he might have done. Um, in response to that ninety-five, was it a shocking wicket or was it South Africa? Well, no, actually, New Zealand put four hundred and eighty-two on the board. Um, Henry Nichols hundred and five is eighth century for New Zealand, and wicketkeeper Tom Blundell narrowly missed out on his hundred, reaching ninety-six before become, being caught behind. Um, adding insult to injury for South Africa, Rob. Kiwi number eleven, yes, Matt Henry. He of seven for twenty-three. And man of the match was at unbeaten 58. Second half century in just 15 test matches, Rob. 18 innings. He's batting at number 11. There's something very, very wrong in the world if these if blokes got two 50s in just 18 innings. Uh, I think it's 18 innings anyway. It's 15 test matches anyway for Matt Henry. Um, yeah. So just wrapping it up. Second inning, South Africa posted a pretty improved, can we say improved? 111. 20% full, improved. It went Nelson. We went Nelson. Yeah, New Zealand crews passed them, didn't they? 111 on the board. That was all they could do. Uh, Tim South, who picked the bowlers this time, 5 for 35. Um, bringing the game to a very, very early end on the third day. I think they got drinks in, did they, on the first morning of the third day? Uh, May well have don't, done. Don't think they made it to lunch. Uh, Matt Henry, just to round off his great performance of that 7 for 23 and his 58 not out, also got 2 for 32, taking him for 9 for 55 for the game wonderful performance from the Kiwis. We can focus on South Africa. I know uh, ultimatums have already been almost pretty much put from gritty Dean Elgar, the captain, towards the likes of Aidan Markham. He's got to up his game. There's a couple of debutants I just want to mention, or we can mention or talk about in a moment. But New Zealand, first and foremost, they're a powerhouse. Test match powerhouse.
2: Mate, I'm surprised, because I've been saying for a while that New Zealand's peak was the World Test Championship, and this is a team now that has moved on from that team in the fact that there's no Kane Williamson in this team and there's no Ross Taylor. And, mm. you know, it's the first time since, you know, in 10 years that they've been putting out a team without two of their top six and the best two top mm. six players that they've, they've pretty much ever had the ride up there in terms of top five um, status for this team. I'm, I'm just impressed that they can do this, given the resources, given the player pool that they've got available to them. To go and perform like this is exceptional. And I think the reason why New Zealand have been successful is, one, they've had pretty much the best test batsmen in the world consistently year on year for a long time. But two, the bowling attack is so criminally underrated mm. throughout. And that's not just talking about having no Trent Bolt in this team as well, who's up there as being one of the greatest test bowlers of the last five, Mm. six years. You had Southie, who was time and time again, gets it Mm. done. Most wickets in New Zealand now for a New Zealander just taking Mm. over Sir Richard Hadley. Matt Henry, who averaged 48 with the ball before this test match, comes in, takes nine wickets and does all those things that we saw him do in county cricket, that we are seeing him do in um, the Plunkett Shield over here. Neil Wagner, absolute war, uh, just workhorse. And mm. Cole Jameson is, you know, the the new kid on the block that's just taking wickets for fun at the moment. And yeah. you look at that when you throw Bolt into the mixer, it's the, pretty much the best seam attack pound for pound anywhere around the world because there's not much difference between the quality of the opening bowlers to the replacement bowlers that come on third, fourth, fifth, uh, uh, fifth, fifth change and those sorts of places. So, that's why they've been consistent. The batting has been a worry for me. They struggled mm-hmm. in India, but who doesn't struggle in India? Like, that makes mm-hmm. no difference. But I look at this and go, that's not a strong batting lineup. It's it's really not. When you've got the likes of mm-hmm. Daryl Mitchell, um, and it's no disrespect to Daryl Mitchell, it's just Daryl Mitchell being in that lineup in the top six, for me, mm-hmm. feels a little bit weak, especially when you've got a Colin de Granholm as well. They're both similar sort of players where they do a bit with the bat, they do a bit with the ball and I think the fact that they put up 482 without Taylor, without Williamson is absolutely outstanding Um, and more credit to them and also Henry Nichols as well I think is a great test player great test player but he averages about 20 against spin terrible against spin and Christchurch there is no way you would have played a spinner on this wicket so well done to the groundsman for picking a (laughs) suits
1: the New Zealand team Henry Nichols dad is the groundsman that's what you're trying yeah, to say exactly. isn't it um, no Kane Williams obviously we know why Ross Taylor Ross Taylor retired legend of the game uh, but Kane Williamson why was he missing in this game elbow injury ongoing it's, elbow
2: yeah it's been probably two years two. now he's been in and yeah. out of missing games um, mm. and being from what we can tell being really in pain when he's trying to bat so I right. don't I don't know where it goes from here i don't know where his career goes from here you hopefully mm. there's just a period where he can rest and do whatever he needs to do rehab wise to get better but given the mm. the circle of cricket that we live in and the fact that he's mm. been retained in the ipl in march he's probably going to be over there playing and there's a mm. t20 world cup coming up he's probably going to be playing there there's a test series in england coming up he's probably going to be playing there <laughs> it's,
1: it's it's just
2: a, a constant when?
1: Yeah, when to have a break, isn't it? That's the big, big thing, isn't it, really? And, and yeah. wanting to give the opposition respect and credit, which we'll get onto when we talk about England and, and West Indies, um, but also balancing that out in that, this calendar that, as we say, just is absolutely relentless. South Africa, just briefly, obviously Dean Elgar, the captain now. It's a, it's a bit of an unknown, uh, some of this this, this team now, isn't it? Sarah Irwi, 32-year-old uh, debutant, uh, opening yeah. bat, left-hand bat. Uh, didn't really have much to do in this one, did he? Uh, 10 and um, and none in the second innings. So that's a debutant. We've got also Glenton Sturman, 29-year-old bowler. He opened the bowling, didn't he? Um, 214 first-class wickets, but uh, only one for 124 on his debut in the one innings. Why are we interested in Glenton Sturman, Rob? And um, And just any thoughts about this South African team, really? Where they are, where they're going?
2: I feel I'll start on the South African team. At the moment, you've got India, you've got Australia, and you've got New Zealand, who are consistently, for mm. the last four or five years, the best three teams in the world. And then at the bottom, no derogatory comments here, but you've got West Indies, this is the bottom, West Indies and Bangladesh, um, Zimbabwe and teams like that, that are at the bottom of the pile, where they don't mm. expect to win many games of cricket, because they're not as good as the teams above them. And then in the middle, you've got England, you've got South Africa, uh, you've got uh, maybe a Sri Lanka, but you've definitely got Pakistan yeah, definitely. who will beat bad teams and will lose to good teams. England are exactly mm-hmm. like that. They've got an excellent record against every other nation uh, in their last home and away performance, except for Australia, New Zealand and India and South Africa kind of fall into that category as well. They're they're in the middle of the road, but they're going to get by on trying to find what their team is going to be for the next five years, for the next 10 years, because they do. I know they went for 482 after getting skilled for 100. They have a very good bowling attack. Uh, Kigiso Rabada, best striker of any seam with 200 wickets in the history of cricket. Uh, Marco Janssen looks absolute quality, bowled superb against India. Mm. Went for a massive price tag in the IPL, but has played 9 (laughs) T 20 games at an average of about 50. So I don't know what that's around. And uh, Dwayne Olivier being back available for them as well mm. is really good. Uh, Simon Harmer again has is, is come back in from uh, being ousted uh, now of the Brexit campaign. Brexit mm. campaign. But Shh. because of Brexit, he's going to be available. So I just see them as a middle of the road teammate. And they're, they've they got the win games. The mm. win games of cricket. Rassi van der Dersen yeah. is an excellent cricketer and will win yeah. games of cricket. Dean Elgar will chase 250 for you with his life on the line. He's an excellent cricketer. Aidan Markram has got work to do. Um, Tender Vavuma has been one of the most improved Mm. cricketers in in the world over the last few years and really held this team together a lot of the time Mm. across all formats and deserves huge plaudits for able to do that. But there's just just gaps. There's gaps around this top six. If you get a couple of wickets, you feel you're really into them.
1: it's inexperienced middle order as well. There's names in there. The wicketkeeper, Carl Varianne, um, if that's how you say it, at the very end and then zubia Hamza um down there at six you know he's only played is it six test matches he's averaging 17 with a bat so far Calverien, he's at five test matches he's averaging 15 with a bat you know yeah. this isn't going to cut it at the moment Aiden Markram he's another one of those I, I apologize to all openers and top order batsmen in the world that I've got behind over the years because Aidan Markram it was a love affair for me. As soon as I saw him back, he looked like he was going to be the next great world opener. He's in there with Daniel Beldrum and Nick Gubbins and all those other players that I've predicted great things for, and they're going nowhere. I don't know what Markram's doing. Really- He's just <laughs> such a talented player, but he just doesn't seem to be able to get it clicking, does he? So South Africa, they have good players, like you said, the van der Dusen's and others of this world. They've got players with the ball, but they just don't seem to have it at the moment. It just seems a bit of an in-between side. Um, yeah. And just as we mentioned as well, the other debutant for South Africa, Glenton Sturman, Rob, um, just a personal interest, isn't it? For He played local cricket, I, I believe. Yeah, he did. He played for Balderton. So that's in Nottinghamshire, mm. next to Newarkville
2: Village. To they mm. play in the South Knots League, Division A, and he came across yeah. as an mm. um, overseas player. I can't remember mm. the year. I, I was already living in New Zealand. So it's 2016, mm. 2017, mm. maybe. Got a whole bunch of wickets. and. I don't know. Well-liked I just look as well, at that apparently. and I'm like, yeah. that is so good for club yeah. cricket. And this is what makes cricket unique. Like, You could turn up on a Saturday and you're playing against an overseas player and in two years' time, they've gone on mm. and they're playing for Australia. There's yeah. um, a famous picture doing the rounds at the moment. I think it's uh, Matt Hayden and Phil Neville were playing in the same cricket team, scoring <laughs> Gary Neville, with each other um matt hayden went to the same club that mark taylor was playing at a few years before before he went and scored 800 runs in england in a series in the ashes so (laughs) it's one of the unique things about cricket and we we both played for Newark cricket club in nottinghamshire and there's pictures on the wall of gordon greenwich gordon greenwich turned up for sheffield cricket lovers one uh, sunday game imagine turning up on a sunday and there's gordon (laughs) greenwich batting against you and you know, I re- yeah,
1: I recognise that bloke. Who's that? Just,
0: just <laughs> a, a
2: constant conveyor belt of people. Yeah. Like you, you know, Andre Adams right. played a lot of uh, cricket in in Nottinghamshire. Andre Fletcher played cricket in yeah. Nottinghamshire. There's just I remember playing against Luke Fletcher when he was a mm. teenager for Papplewick. Mm. Um, it's yeah. just a, a constant conveyor belt of amazing moments that you can kind of look back on and go, "How cool is that?" Because. Football, yeah. you don't get that. You're not going to get it. You get yeah. it a little bit at rugby in New Zealand, but I don't think you would in England, where they go back and play for club level when they need a game, which yeah. is quite unique. But it is something yeah. that's so unique to cricket and very special.
1: Yeah, so we're really pleased for, for that. I and mean, we're pleased for Bolton Cricket Club and the people we know that are associated with Bolton. So it's a, a huge shout out to them. And it, it just seemed like Glenstone was a very well-liked um, member of that squad as well. So we're really, really pleased to see he's gone on and made his debut. Not the debut he would have liked, but at least he can go to bed Uh, For the rest of his life, if he never plays another test match, saying, I've got a test match wicket. Uh, So congratulations to him. And we roll on. Um, Cricket never ends, Rob, as we keep saying. I believe it's today that the second test does get underway in Christchurch. So we'll see if there's any response from South Africa. More cricket, Rob. More cricket. PSL, Pakistan Super League. I know you've been watching it a lot. Um, And it's getting close to the end now. Moulton Sultan's finished top of the group. They've clinched their spot in the final, which is coming up. We then have had the eliminator stage, which I really like the eliminator. Islamabad United took on Peshawar Zalma today and Islamabad won by five wickets to progress into that second eliminator where they'll take on Lahore Calendars, which is going to be played, I believe, tomorrow, Friday, depending on when you're listening to us. Um, Really interesting. I'm going to pass over to you in a minute because I know you've been watching a lot of this. But Alex Hales was the man, really, for Islamabad. He's top scorer in the competition for them. He's hit 62 of 49 to knock off that 169 for five set by Peshawar as uh, almi Um, the one that struck the winning runs with just three balls remaining. But Alex Hales, about a week ago, citing bubble fatigue, went home. He withdrew from the, the Pakistan Super League. However, there's a lot of injuries and issues uh, with Islamabad and it seems like the call went out, the bat signal went out to Alex Hales and he got <laughs> back on a plane and he came back to Pakistan. There, there has been a couple of amendments to the existing health and safety protocols. We won't get into all that too much, but it just means that Hales was able to return and play immediately without the need to isolate Um, So he had to clear COVID uh, test on arrival, etc. But he was allowed straight back in. And what an inspired phone call that was, whoever put that in. Um, Lahore are going to be taking, sorry, Islamabad are going to be facing up against Lahore, as I've said, in the Eliminator tomorrow. And the winner of that, obviously, will be uh, trying to take on Moulton Sultans. Pick your best bits out of the uh, PSL so far, Rob. And also, uh, I'm really interested to see what English players have done in this. Because I know Harry Brook's got a century. But tell yep. us tell us who else has been doing what. So, a year ago, I, I would turn around
2: to anyone and say, Glenn Maxwell's the best T20 cricketer in the world. I just would. I watched him in the big bash mm-hmm. and I was just like, this guy's on an, another level. i tell you who's on another level. And that's um, <laughs> there's a few of them. Fakir Zaman <laughs> and Mohammed Rizwan are just Rizwan. absolutely... Insane, mate. Insane. Yeah. Back as a man, five hundred and eighty-four runs, strike rate of one fifty-five. That is, that just doesn't happen. There's no one near what he's been able to achieve, and you know, coming off the great years that both of them had over the last couple of years, it's kind of like, wow, they are, mm. they they are something special um, from from an English contingent. Alex Hales, yes, definitely has been superb. 255 runs, strike rate of 156. Mm. I've thought for a little while that Alex Hales is on the downturn. I didn't see him at his best in the big bash. I didn't see him at his best during last summer. But this is the first time in a while I've started to see Alex Mm. Hales just looking really confident Mm. about his game again.
1: Um, But even, just quickly, even when he's maybe not looked at his best, he's still scoring runs. He's just found a way now. He doesn't have to be looking fluid and perfect. He just is that point of his career when he just knows how to score runs. And that's all I'm going to say on the matter of Alex Hales and scoring runs and whether he should be playing for England. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Carry on. on, on. Um,
2: Jason Roy's Mm -hmm. been superb, mate. 303 runs from six matches, a high score of 116, average of 50, strike rate 170. He, he's on course to score more runs and at a better strike rate than Facker's a man in the competition. He's been world class. And Jason Roy, again, I put him in the same bracket as Hales, where I'd seen a downturn in performance, in how they're playing. And I, what I like about Jason Roy is you can see the frustration on his face when he gets out because he expects himself to go and score mm, big runs yeah. time and time again. We saw it in the West Indies. And here, <laughs> he was brutal. Riley Russo. Yeah. Not English, but plays in England, has yeah. been absolutely mm. superb. Strike rate of one eighty-three. Mm. Hit some massive, massive sixes one um, more. during mm. the during the contest. Tim David. Now, is he Australian? So, is he Dutch? What is he? He's Singaporean Australian or Australian <laughs> yeah. Singaporean, who is I now there was very mixed wealthy. In there
1: as well. <laughs> so he's, he is he's isn't very he?
2: wealthy, mate. He he took a blinding mm. catch at the start of the hundred <laughs> final. He got the run out of Liam Livingston. Yeah, his stock increased during the Big Bash with some big performances and massive six hitting. Mm. He's turned up here, 251 runs at strike rate 199, and what now man. has got paid big time in the IPL, mate. So Stunning, IPL teams, analysis, analysts are watching the PSL whether they like to admit it or not, exactly. and watching right. some really good performances.
1: Yeah, the, hey. the other the other English Dude, performance I, or two English performances just and one jump- of it, can I just jump in? It's a really vain sort of interruption here, but Tim David, Royal London One One Day Cup is the reason Tim David is the person he is. He signed for Surrey last summer and he was playing against Notts. I was watching on YouTube and he was playing playing at like some outground or some school yeah. or something. And he came in and probably, I think he probably hit a 50, but it was a rapid 50. He was clearing the ropes every, every just about every ball it felt like. He looked sensational and he's not looked back from that moment. It's the first time I've ever seen him. I'm not sure if that was his first game. It was one of his first games and after that, like you said, he jumped into the 100, didn't he? And then since then, that's it. Mum's got a new house now. So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think everyone's got a new house. <laughs> um, his balls per boundary is what sets him apart. It's the it's pretty much the best in the IPL for anyone that scored 200 runs. He scores a boundary every 3.3 balls, mate. That's that's insane. Faka's a man's aggressive, and he hits one every 5. <laughs> uh, 5.1. I want to touch on Ben Cutting before I touch on the two other things. And I don't Ooh, know if you've seen cool. it going around on the internet. So there was a thing that happened in the PSL a long time. To- uh, sorry, in the CPL, in the Caribbean Premier League a few years ago. Um, Pakistan bowler. I can't remember his name. It's Sahel. I want to say it's Sahel Tanvir, but I could be wrong mm. in saying that. Ben Cutting batting. Ben Cutting hit him for a six. Sahel Tanvir, there's a bit of mouth. Sahel Tanvir gets him out. Sahel Tanvir turns around and gives him the double middle Ooh. finger. Playing in the PSL uh, a year or so later, Ben Cutting's batting goes 6. Four, six, four, six double middle finger back to the bowler. <laughs> just, I don't know how I feel about it. I like I like rivalries as long as there's uh, an an element to them that's not over the top aggressive yeah. or or you know any hands on sort of altercations in mm. cricket. But this, like the the circle of it, I really appreciated, <laughs> and I appreciated the the humour that probably Ben Cutting's got to go and do that.
1: <laughs> he, he doesn't hold a grudge, does he?
2: <laughs> no, no, not at all. But that, that was that, that was good. Uh, will yeah. Smead's been fantastic, actually. Yes.
1: Uh, 200, 240
2: yeah. runs, average of 40. Mm. Two scores in the late 90s as well. So mm, this is where cricket's an interesting thing. If ben, uh, Will Smead has scored two centuries, everyone will be going, God, he scored Get two it. centuries. He, he scored learned. 99 and 97. But yeah, for some reason, people don't look at them with the same weight. But he's been exceptional. and Harry, Harry Brook yeah. scored a, mm-hmm. a well-deserved and well-made century, mm. particularly when his team were in the mire when he was batting. Yeah, was but, it three down for not many or something when he came in? Yeah, three, three down, yeah. not many. Uh, he had a partnership mm. with another guy, and then he went off and went big in the last five overs. So that was really good to see because mm. Harry Brook, exceptional in the T20 Blast, but I've not really seen him do it anywhere else. Mm. And this was the first yeah. time where I'd gone, yeah. ah, okay, I can see a bit here. 220 run runs, mm. a strike rate of 170 in the competition, mm. um, hitting a, a, every four and a half balls, he's hitting the boundary. Mm. So he's had a really good position, a really good tournament. Some players have been, I want to say average. Joe Clark's been really poor in this competition. He was superb in the big bash. He's really yeah. struggled here. 174 he- runs at an average of 24. Strike rate one twenty. That's not really very Joe Clark, is it?
1: No, no. As, as, I know, Ben Duckett's gone back to England. Did uh, Joe Clark also return? I can't remember now, but I know obviously these players have been going around the world playing cricket in very strict conditions, obviously bubbles etc. For COVID, it must be catching up with them all by now. Yeah, uh, the ones that have gone from one competition to another, they've gone from big Bash at PSL. Some have been Bangladesh, some have been others. Uh, you know, you've you've got to, you've got to see a drop off at some point, haven't you? Um, yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's, it's to be expected, I suppose, isn't it? But I was really pleased to see Harry Brook get that 100. And Will Smead is is a name, isn't it, that it only really broke through in, in the 100. And as much yep. as we, or I, or maybe you a little bit less, maybe, are critical of the 100, that's one player that's, that's very grateful for it. Um, and yeah. he's, he's doubling down. And like you said, if he'd have got another six or seven runs, or whatever it might be, two centuries he is suddenly headline news in England, but a couple of nineties and he's just. Selling your car on cars.com is so fast. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. Get the best offer instantly confirm with the dealer and the money's yours. Cars.com is magical. Tap to sell on cars.com today.
0: The first time I saw it, I got goosebumps. It was perfect for me. I felt like we could go anywhere together. There's nothing like finding your match on cars.com with over 50,000 cars added daily and a powerful advanced search. You're sure to discover the one cars.com. It's magical. Click or tap to find your perfect match on cars.com today.
1: Middle, yeah. Middle
2: of the, yeah. Uh, he's on his way. He's, he's like one boundary yeah. each innings from being there. Yeah. Um, yeah. the biggest disappointment of the competition for me has been the performance of Phil Saltmate. And I've been, So in on on shaken, not stirred, salt, just love the man. 61 runs, an average of 10 from seven innings, a strike rate of 127, a boundary every pretty much seven balls. This is the most unfilled salt-like performance I've seen. But likewise, he's been played in a completely different position. So you watch him in the blast, he scores runs open in the batting. You watch him in the one-day cup, Scores runs open in the batting. Mm. Lanka Premier League opens the batting. T10 League opens the batting. Goes to play for England and bats at number six and seven. That's a waste of his talent. Then plays in the PSL and he's batting down the order. Now, they did change that to bat him at the top for the last game or so. But I feel a complete misuse of his talent and his (sighs) abilities and his strengths. Not for the first time. I blame Owen
1: Morgan. <laughs> so, it's but it's, 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 it, no, but that's that's who started it off, wasn't it? In this last tournament, in, in the last games uh, with England, he was batting him down at six and seven. It made yeah. no sense whatsoever. His strength was opening and going off like a train. That's his role. He understood it. Yes, he might become a more rounded cricketer if you get him into different roles. If he's a finisher or whatever, you might, might see him. But, uh, you know, it just seems like whoever has made the decision in the PSL have looked at what England are doing with him, maybe had some conversations. Maybe England have said we would like to see him back further down the order. I don't know. But it just seems a bit of a waste of a player that's absolutely exceptional when he is going off like a train at that top. So before we finish on PSL, Rob, there is one more player I would like to talk about because it's the most one of the more bizarre goings-ons that I've heard for a while. We've got photographs of helmets in chandeliers. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you've got a helmet in a chandelier in a hotel <laughs> lobby, something's not gone right. James Faulkner, the Aussie all-rounder bowler, um, there's a bit of a weird one here. So he's come out. He basically said he hasn't been paid by the PCB, Pakistan Super League, etc., Pakistan Cricket Board, but they have rejected his accusations, calling his behaviour reprehensible. Reprehensible, Rob. And declaring he would not be part of a future PSL draft. Exactly. Um, So Faulkner, who was with Kettered Gladiators, he's not played in their last three games or so, was understood to to have grown increasingly agitated over the matter of payments. and had been negotiating with the PCB over the issue. But things became so heated on Friday, last Friday I think it was, however, that he threw his bat and helmet from the lobby floor balcony onto a hotel chandelier (laughs) after a discussion with a PCB official before leaving for the airport. It's important to note, and I know he's, he's been getting some stick about this. Obviously, there's two sides to this story. We don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. All we've seen is a PS uh, Pakistan Super League or Pakistan Cricket Board statement. But it's important to note, Faulkner paid the hotel for damages before leaving. He's not gone <laughs> off the reserve. Let's put it that way. So he realised what he'd done wrong. I uh, just lost his lost his cool, et cetera. etc. He must be very annoyed. They're claiming it's just you know Faulkner's messing them around with uh, bank accounts, English bank account, Australian bank account, and then potentially. Being paid double before he's paid his first bit back. Trust issues everywhere here. Um, I don't know how we get to the bottom of this. But Pakistan, just quickly saying, in the seven years of the hbl Pakistan Super League, no player has ever complained about non-fulfillment of the piece of his contractual obligations. In spite of the money being transferred and received in his account, Mr. Faulkner continued to insist that a second duplicate payment, the same amount be made to his account in Australia. This meant Mr. Faulkner would have been paid twice. How dare he? Um, that's me adding that bit, not the statement. He further threatened and refused to participate in his sides match against Moulton Sons on Friday afternoon until his money money demands were met. Now, Faulkner's probably thinking, my money demands, I just want to be paid. Yeah, um, I've made an administrative error. I'm telling you where it needs to be gone now, and I will transfer the money back ASAP. It's not like they don't know him. It's James Faulkner. They can go after the Australian cricket board. They can go after his, yeah. his state, I'm sure. There are ways of recouping this money. If they need to, it seems a bit of a messy situation and one that didn't need to get this way. But what a shambles of a situation! Weird, <laughs> weird. Like, yeah. How often do you get a news story where a cricket helmet's <laughs> gone through a chandelier? <laughs> it's brilliant. It's still lodged in the chandelier. It might still be there in the hotel. I hope it is. It should be there on, with like a little, little good sort of explanation of what it was. I've Sorry. not seen many things in life where someone
2: reaches for a cricket helmet and attacks a chandelier out of frustration. It's just, yeah. it's its not a normal response from James Faulkner. I think time will be the best thing for this story to work out what actually has gone on because yep. essentially no matter what it is, you're going to end up with two sides of the story. And we we'll are definitely yes. get that. James is like, Where's my money? Where's my money? And yeah. they're like, Yeah, we're giving you your money. Where's my money? <laughs> so in the, in the family guys, do we his money back? <laughs> um mm. James Faulkner's tweet was quite interesting where he says, mm. It hurts to leave as I wanted to get international cricket back in Pakistan as there's so yeah. much young talent. The fans are amazing, but the treatment I've received has been a disgrace. Mm. Um, I'm sure you all understand my position. So like he came out first and came out all guns blazing and was very critical of the PSL. And PSL, understandably, mm. are going to protect their brand. But yeah, it, it always comes down, with any story, is you don't know. You don't know what's going on. If he's exactly. been paid correctly and he's acting like an idiot, if then James Faulkner will not play in that league again and he's done himself no favours. If yeah. he's not been paid, and he should have been, and his contractual rights say after yeah. X amount of games, I receive payment, whatever, however it's done, mm. then the PSL should be held accountable, pay him, and uh, it should be his name should be just kind of like, oh, James Faulkner did nothing wrong. However, he did smash up the
1: hotel. <laughs> yeah, which he paid for, to be fair to yeah. you. <laughs> so, yeah. I was just checking. He hasn't been named in either of the squads, unsurprisingly for the pakistan tour which australia will be going on very soon um i hope everything's all right with james fortner we are making a bit of a joke about this because it is quite funny but i do hope james fortner is doing all right because obviously it's yep. been like we said about the english players going home they've been in bubbles for so long now it's, it's just it's getting a bit much isn't it so um yeah all right that, that, i just find it quite bizarre though it's quite a funny yep. story let's just quickly wrap up one last story before we get on to england west indies chat um Ireland and UAE both made it through to the final. They won their semi-finals in the T20 World Cup qualifiers, um, which meant that Ireland and the United Arab Emirates both qualified for the upcoming um, World Cup. Um, United Arab Emirates did beat Ireland in that by seven wickets in the final. Doesn't matter. Both teams are already through anyway. So everyone's a winner. Good on them. Good on them. I,
2: everyone expects Ireland to go and qualify yes. and there's no reason why they shouldn't qualify, particularly when you look around mm. the teams that's in the competition. I'm looking at the flags going, that looks like Nepal. It looks like Germany. Mm-hmm. It looks like Philippines, Canada. Yeah. Um, the, the, There's there's no reason why they wouldn't be able to get past them and, and finish in the top two, which they've mm. been able to do. So fair play to them, good on them, and good for UAE as well. I can remember UAE yeah. making the World Cup, mm. I think it was 1996 I remember UAE being in the World Cup and Gary Kirsten scoring 190 or 180 <laughs> against them. Um, that's obviously one day World Cup, not the T20 World Cup, but mm. good on them. And I think things like this have been abs- it have been publicised. Not enough, but there has mm. been live feeds of the game. Uh, yeah. If you go to the ICC cricket app and sign up, you can pretty much watch any game of cricket mm. in the world now, which is superb. Um, and they've been available to watch on there for free. So that's really good.
1: Yeah, I, I must admit I've not watched this. We loved the uh, first section of the World Cup, didn't we? Um, with all the associate nations knocking, qualifying and whatnot. I didn't get a chance to watch much of this at all. But I just love associate cricket. I love these yeah. smaller nations. Yeah. I really wish I'd watched Germany. I don't. <laughs> I just, I just want to see Germans bowling. I just think it'd be quite funny. I don't know. I can why. imagine it's really efficient bowling. Oof stereotypes <laughs> so right let's get on to which let's i don't know 10 15 minutes i reckon rob england are obviously on the way to the west indies if some lottery tickets uh come through come on come on i'm going to be on the first plane to antigua which uh, is the first test gets underway on the 8th of march before they go on to barbados and granada england squad obviously was named we had our reactions to it obviously the big news was anderson and broad missing out West Indies have, have uh, recently announced their squad. So let's just have a look at that. So captured by Craig Braithwaite, as we said, um, they're going to be a three-test match series. They're going to be playing for the Richard Botham Trophy now. Nice. So that's something which I think is really, really nice. Just nice, showing that, that togetherness between the two teams and the, the friendliness over the years. Um, last time out, Joe, Joe Rootside won 2-1 in England in 2020 to regain the Wisdom Trophy, as it was then, which has now been retired. Uh, and obviously, they're going to be, it's the legends, isn't it? So Vivian Richards and Ian Botham. I'm not going to call him Lord Botham. Um, so Craig Braithwaite, he leads up the squad. He's captain. He's joined by Jermaine Blackwood as vice captain. Krumo Bonner, uh, Shamra Brooks, John Campbell, Joshua De Silva, the wicketkeeper, Jason Holder, Azari Joseph, Kyle Mayers, Verasamy Permal, Anderson Phillip, Kimo Roach, and Jaden Searles. So it's just worth noting, obviously, John Campbell, the opener, he's been recalled. An uncapped fast bowler Anderson Phillip, 25 year old. He's also been named Shannon Gabriel. He's been ruled out because of a hamstring injury. And there's also no spots in the squad for Shy Hope and all rounder Justin Ch- uh, Roston Chase. Um, batter Jeremy Solazano, all rounder Rakeem Cormont, and spinner Jamal Warwick have also all missed out after being part of the Sri Lanka um, series against Sri Lanka, which they, uh, they lost 2 0 in December. So anything from that squad initially jumping out? It's very, very similar to what they had.
2: Before And then when I say what they had before, I'm looking at the scorecard mm. at the moment back in 2019 mm. when England toured their last time and mm. lost. And they had an, uh, Craig Brathwaite, John Campbell, uh, Rostin Chase, <laughs> Jason Holder, Kamar Roach, Elzaro Joseph, Shannon Gabriel. There's, yeah, there's a lot of the similar. same sort of players <laughs> that have played England in those sorts of environments mm. and done very well against England in those sorts of environments. It's It's strange to say because West Indies are a team that have struggled other than T20 cricket have struggled for quite mm. a while but you never know how England are going to play in different environments and it's it's very strange because we've got so many players that go around the world playing these different formats and play for different teams but wherever we go in the world as a, an international team we just don't adapt very well there's teams that adapt Greatly better than us. Look at the black caps yeah. gave them no chance at the T20 World Cup. They had a group of uh, India and Pakistan in it. They made it through to the final, beating, getting past India, Pakistan, and England to get there. And England, as a team, just don't seem to adapt quite as well. So, I, I think it's a, it's a good West Indies team. I'm mm. not I'm not sold down the road that this is the West Indies team of you know Brian Lawrence and Chandra Paul and Jimmy Adams <laughs> and those sorts of players. But it's always exciting to see how mm. they're going to go against England. And likewise, it's important to see how England are going to go against a middle to lower tier test team, but in their home environment, which mm. makes them more dangerous.
1: Absolutely. Worth noting, West Indies have not lost a test series at home to England since 2004. So they know what it takes to beat England. Do England know what it takes to beat West Indies in West Indies? Uh, lead selector and former Desmond Haynes, he's, ex- he's expecting a competitive uh, uh, series. There's some young players out there and, ex- and players with experience, he's saying. So he's happy with the blend of the squad. He expects them to equip themselves well and do the job. It, I would not put it past this West Indies team to get a result in this series. Three three games, it's anybody's, isn't it? So we're not going to go into the England squad again. We've, we've looked at that. We've gone through it all. We don't need to pick the bones out of that. But what I want to do, though, is just quickly go over... Joe Root's had a chat, hasn't he, in the last day or so? And then just... Look at Broad and Anderson. They've also, since we've last spoke, they've said a few, a few things. They've come out. I want to see whether you're changing your view on what's going on in the world with Broad and Anderson. So Joe Root, first and foremost, he didn't waver apparently in his belief that he's the right person to captain England. But he is very gratefully got the opportunity to continue. Um, obviously, clearly disappointing tour of Australia. He said, massively underperform, but we've got to use this opportunity for a fresh start. Speaking of Broad and Anderson, he said that I've spoken to both and they're obviously disappointed and angry. You'd expect that, but it's been made very clear. No one's saying this is the end for them. It'd be great to see Stuart and Jimmy very much in the mix at the start of the summer. The guys that are on the tour have a real opportunity to step into some different roles and strength from what could be the backbone of the team moving forward. <sighs> so for me, I'm still not convinced with how, with where Root lies on this one. Why I say that is because he was basically asked about whether or not he agreed with the decision. And he, he basically said... I don't think we should have to air every single bit of information on decisions like this. We've sometimes been slightly too honest about certain things and some things should stay in the room. And that's the case in this scenario. I think that's slightly bizarre from Joe Root. Yeah, And it it's kind of telling me that he has had a say. This is just me reading between yeah. lines and probably coming to the wrong conclusion. But I have a feeling that Joe Root has said, I would like to lead a squad without Anderson and Broad and see if these other players can take take the lead, take the reins because I want to be the man. I want to be the captain of this team and lead without those experienced bowlers. What do you reckon? I, I
2: think you're right. I think he does want the opportunity to do it without them. I think England feel they need to learn to do it without them. And also, when you look at it, Anderson and Broad are great at home. Anderson's average it's fantastic away from home over the last four or five years.
0: Selling your
1: car on Cars.com is so fast. It's like the dealer is in your own backyard. Get the best offer instantly, confirm with the dealer, and the money's yours. Cars.com is magical. Tap to sell on Cars.com today.
0: The first time I saw it, I got goosebumps. It was perfect for me. I felt like we could go anywhere together. (sighs) There's nothing like finding your match on cars.com. With over 50,000 cars added daily and a powerful advanced search, you're sure to discover the one. Cars.com. It's magical. Click or tap to find your perfect match on cars.com today.
2: But he doesn't take many wickets away from home. And that is a problem. And yep. I'm not saying that anyone else is going to take more wickets because we haven't done well right. away from home for a while other than in places like Sri Lanka and Sri mm. Lanka. Um, it does... <laughs> you need to be able to take 20 wickets to win a test match. We know England batting's yep. really poor and Jared Kimber did an awesome video on this a few mm. days ago. England's batting is poor. You need to take 20 wickets to win a test. Anderson gives you immense levels of control but mm. his average wickets per innings isn't that high and puts a lot mm. of away from home and puts a lot yep. of pressure on the rest of the bowling lineup to be able to take wickets. And when the people you're looking to take wickets are an unfit Ben Stokes, who's 10k mm. an hour slower than he was two, three years ago, uh, he's mm. one of the bowlers. Jack Leach, who can't bowl in the first innings or against left-handers, you're backing yourself into a corner. Now, for me, Jimmy Anderson's the best bowler we've ever produced, and he's the best mm. uh, fast bowler skillful fast bowler that I've ever seen and I'd always pick him in the team. But if you're looking at it from an analytical point of view and you go how do we take 20 wickets and if Jimmy mm-hmm. Anderson is not taking wickets away from home even though his average is low and his economy rate is mm-hmm. really low then yep. I can see a world where why they didn't pick him. I don't agree with it
1: but I can yep. see
2: there is some rationale.
1: Yeah. I think that's that's a fair fair well put together argument Rob. I absolutely. I don't I wouldn't kind of be aggressively in disagreement with that at all. I think for me, it's that whole thing of of what they're trying to do. It's it's a it's a one-off tour, isn't it? Before we have a new coach, new selectors. Yeah. Captain should remain, but it'll be up to the new coach and selector to to um to decide on that, I'd imagine. It's the fact that they haven't really handled it well. I think that's the thing, isn't it? That I think Jimmy Anderson's talking about a five-minute conversation he had with yeah, Strauss. That's not cool. This is Jimmy Anderson. So Jimmy Anderson turns forty, so we need to be looking for the future. I've got no problem with that, but uh, this should have been communicated to me. Of Jimmy, I want you to put your feet up and be ready to go in the summer. It will be up to the new captain and selector as whether you're selected, but yeah. I think this is an opportunity for you to just take a rest. I want we want to look at some people and and do this properly. Jimmy Anderson, since he turned 30, 35, has taken one hundred and sixty wickets at forty four. Sorry, in forty four tests, an average of twenty one point seven two.
0: He said numbers. himself.
1: I'm not slowing down or losing anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, so it's it for, for me. It's just a bizarre one, isn't it? You know, that's what he said. It's another frustration was a five minute phone call with Strauss in which he learned he was dropped. It didn't really clear much up. So he's not really had an explanation because I think England are trying to be too polite and they're not saying. I'd rather they come out and say, Broad, Anderson, you dropped. Yeah. We, we want to go forward without you." but it's going to be up to the new selector. but They don't seem yeah. to have done that. So it just, coming back onto the Root thing, it just feels as if Joe Root's not being open. And I'd like him to be the captain and be the leader of this team and say, yep, I was part of that decision and I backed my decision. But it seems like he's just hiding a little bit. Um, and I'm a bit confused by that. I um, think there's a power struggle, mate. Uh, and I yes. think it comes from the yeah. ashes. Broad was very
2: open going... How the hell can we win a game in Australia when you're scoring 140 runs each time?
1: He was Throwing, right.
2: Throwing the batsman <laughs> under—it's not a mm. it's like if but you're this a close-knit team and yeah. everyone's got each other's back, you probably don't yeah. do that to your own team. Throw them under
1: the bus. No, but that was after there'd been criticism of the bowlers from Root. Um, I think it was from Root, or uh, I might forgive me. Times passed. Yeah. I'm trying to forget this actual yeah. series. And, and uh, but, I, it, but it, it was not ideal, is it? I think that's no, and,
2: and likewise. Anderson got criticized for bowling too short and not enticing the drive enough, That's, even though he was yeah. going at a economy rate at 1.7 throughout the whole yeah. series. So he gave control mm. to him. And mm. likewise, when they bowled four and they got edges, England dropped the bloody ball. Yeah. So if England had taken those chances, mm-hmm. then you only get so many chances. I've explained, I've, we've spoken about this before, Marnes dropped more times than anyone else in world cricket since he started. He averages mm-hmm. 60. Like, if you drop him, he's probably going to go and score sixty runs in his innings. Like that's just how it is. Mm. And England drop these chances off these yeah. bowlers. And what what do you expect? You, the ball's only mm. going to swing for so long. Um, otherwise, you're just going to be smashed through the covers the whole time. So mm. it's it's a real battle between Root trying to take authority and what he wants, and bowlers who know their craft inside out and how to play the game. Um, and it will come out. It will come out in a book in a couple of years' yeah, time. Yeah. But I bet there's been a lot of arguments going on in this yeah. unit. And I don't feel like it's a real crisp, close-knit unit. No. I just feel like there's no. fractures in the squad throughout. Mm. And I think this is a, it's not the same situation as a KP. And I'm not saying it is. No. But mm. I feel this is England kind of going, okay, we need to learn what we've got without you. Mm. Um, and I think Joe Root wants it without them
1: yeah I think so as well it could be one of those where it gets worse before it gets better yeah. Um but but just going obviously like I said since last time we were on Broad and Anderson have been on uh, Broad did wrote a column didn't he he was talking about how it's the decision left him confused and angrier with each passing day Um he's 35 It's not the end of the road for Broad surely and, and Strauss has made that clear about both of them hasn't he so hopefully it's not and Anderson speaking on Taylor this podcast he was saying talking about the shock he felt frustration anger praying this isn't the end that's what he's talking about but he is also talking about saying that he's got one more go at digging deep he's got a lot to offer he's still got the hunger and passion to play even though you know the shock and disappointment but now he's going to control what he can control and focus on that which is showing people what i can do with the ball in my hand when the season comes back around yeah. um so for me just regardless of motivations rights wrong to the decision england have just handled this really really badly with their two of their finest ever cricketers that they've produced. This is not how anyone should go out uh, still, in my opinion. I'm still frustrated about it. And I think if it had been handled better and communicated better to them and to the public, I would be more on board with their decision. And then we could be focusing on talking about the exciting opportunities of the likes of Matt Fisher, whose parents have won some money or potentially will win some money, sorry, because they put a bet on him when he was about 14, didn't they, or 13, to play for England. I don't know. 100 to 1, I'm sure it was. Go and have a look somewhere. I'm sure they put a bet on about 100 to 1. I mean, he, he made his debut. I said 17 when we spoke about him before, but he was actually 15 when he made his That's debut. That's incredible. In it's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. Um, so just last thing I want to say, obviously, Broad and Anderson being dropped, and the way Root's talking about it, you know, in, in his statement or in his interview, he was talking about, I don't want this to sound like a development tour. It's not. It's about winning. But we've got an opportunity for those guys to step into that space, Anderson and Broad, and, and better this team for it. We could come away from this tour as, a, as victors, and we've also gained a lot of knowledge of other players. Are England giving this tour and their opposition the respect they they or it deserves?
2: Yes. Yes, I felt no yep. originally. And I felt really annoyed about it. And I am mm. annoyed about uh, at least Anderson not being there because he's still mm. one of the best seam bowlers in the world. He's up mm. there in the top two or three. But I think it's just a natural starting point, you finish the Ashes, you failed. Mm-hmm. You failed miserably um during that period. Who is going to play for you for the next four years? Because that's that's how English mm-hmm. works. It's a four-year cycle.
0: A, at at least that? it's mm-hmm.
2: a two-year cycle getting towards the next Ashes at home in England. Who's going to be yeah. opening for you? Because last time we played in the West Indies, mate, we had Keaton Jennings opening. We had Johnny mm-hmm. Bairstow at three. We had Joe Denley in the team. We had Joss Butler, Moeen Ali, Sam Curran, and then Rashid was the spinner so that's 2019 and this is 2022 and you can see how much the team's changed in that time. And now we've got a natural change point. So it is good to mm. give these batsmen opportunities and to give them a run. Yep. Um, and it's good to give other bowlers opportunities. Mm. I just would have liked to have seen at least Jimmy Anderson there with the new ball, who is mm. the best new ball bowler in
1: world cricket still in my eyes. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's it. It's just, I was intrigued really just to see how, how the mood might have changed a little bit with, with the with the passing days and and with what Broad and Anderson have had to say as well. So that's, it's, it's really interesting to me. Um, I think I did see somebody say, didn't they, that the, the only, the problems we didn't have was Root at four scoring all those runs, a record-breaking year, and Broad and Anderson. Um, and now Root's going to three and we've dropped Broad and Anderson. <laughs> that's not going to solve the opener crisis or uh, anything else really, is it, in the squad? But, uh, but we shall see. We shall see how it goes. It doesn't get underway until the 8th. We've got a warm-up game on the 1st of March. One warm-up game against the Presidents 11 before the first test gets underway. And then we'll be seeing the likes of Alex Lees make his debut. Maybe Matt, uh, Matt Parkinson, um, Saki Mamu get another chance, Matt Fisher, Ben Folks claiming the gloves over Joss Butler. We haven't really spoke about Joss Butler. I don't think our views on him being moved along have changed have they
2: no still no, still I, feel very confident for it um here's yeah. here's some information mate so between overs non and 16 in test cricket since the start of 19 which is really the first 16 overs mm. with the first new nook the highest yep. wicket taker in world cricket is stuart broad Ooh! in the last and i know that's been a covid impacted year but you've got 2019 which was a normal yep. year last year a little bit normal but Broad at one. Anderson, nineteen wickets at twenty-five with the new ball. Yeah. Um bowling in that naught to sixteen over range. Broad, thirty-six wickets at nineteen. They're two pretty reasonable opening bowlers in world cricket, I'd say.
1: Yeah, and they're still relatively fit and they're still relatively decent, aren't they? So you know what I find annoying? it. This annoys bizarre. me. Anderson, oh, Rob's getting annoyed.
2: Yeah. Anderson is the <laughs> ultimate control artist when it comes to middle overs. And that's where his game has yeah. changed from being a young snapper bowling 90 mile an hour, swinging yeah. it around with a new ball, to he's got immense level, world-class, like elite level control of the old ball to yeah. wobble seam it around, pick Reverse. up the odd wicket here and there, mm but not Mm. go for runs and give you control of the situation. It's why New Zealand are a really good cricket team is because they've got great control of situations. Mm. One-day cricket, great control. T20 cricket, generally great control Mm. in those middle overs. And what, we're hoping that Chris Wokes, who averages 50 away from home, is going to be the next Stuart Broad? He's 30-odd. He's been given opportunities. I've gone there. He's been given opportunities (laughs) to play overseas (laughs) and average 50. He's not the next... Jimmy Anderson. He's not the next Stuart Broad. He's Chris Wokes, who's exceptional at home and is a really good batsman and can bat at eight. Doesn't give you the same control that Anderson does in the middle
1: overs. Exactly. And I wanted to just mention earlier when you talk talking about Anderson, when he's not taking so many wickets overseas, does he create pressure for other people to take wickets? This is how cricket works. You bowl in partnerships. If he's keeping it tight at one end, you cannot score off him. You're going to take risks at the other end if it's Ollie Robinson or Chris Wokes or whoever it might be. This is the the power of Anderson. You're bowling against the, the... The man, the myth, the legend, aren't you? Not just the delivery. Yeah, I'm. I'm, you know, Robinson, all our fitness concerns of him have evaporated and he continues on this tour and he's absolutely fine. But Broad and Anderson were dropped. I still find it bizarre. I I like the look of this squad in some ways, but I feel like it's just an in-between, a holding pattern. God knows if it's going to be anything like this or resembles anything like this by the time we, we can get a coach in place. Hopefully, it's going to be someone like Gary Kozen. No shame, Warren. I'm not interested in you. Shut up. Nobody's interested in you. And also, Justin Langer. No, 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 no. We don't need Justin Langer over here either. That would be the worst possible appointment, I think. Great coach, but not the right style of manager or coach for England, yeah. in my opinion. But yeah, Shane War. I saw somebody talk about him. He's like, no, jog on, no, get on. No, I've, I've no interest. <laughs> sure, it's a that. joke. Imagine
2: Shane War and Mark War, uh, Mark War coming over as well as a, as a team. No oh, no. oh, it'd be, it'd be horrendous. No. Last point: Stuart Broad, one hundred wickets in the last three years from this date going backwards, at an average of twenty two point three four, which is better than Tim Southey, better than Pat Cummins, better than Neil Wagner, better than Shane Crawford, better than Trent Bolt, and these are all guys we put in the world class category that you can't imagine team taking the field with. And just behind them is Anderson, 65 wickets at 23, and an economy rate of 2.25, which is by far the best out of any seam bowler in world cricket in the last three years.
1: Ludicrous. It just seems that they've just looked at ages and personalities and said, we're going to try and move on from you. When you look at what they've done over the last five, three years, as you've put five years, as I said about earlier for Anderson, they are still at the absolute peak of their powers They should still be playing for England, regardless of where they are in the world. They should be. And um,
2: if you've listened to that, let us know your thoughts on the whole Anderson (laughs) and Broad debate. And there's been some really good comments coming in on the last video that we did about the England squad a couple Mm. of weeks ago. Um, And pretty much everyone agrees with us. You know, people from all over the world, different supporters of different countries, (laughs) all Mm. saying the same thing, like WTF how are England making a mess of the two best bowlers that they've got available to them and then the, the fact that everyone in the world thinks they're the best England bowlers it's quite a large proportion of people agreeing around the same point so let, let us know what you think guys yeah. um, subscribe to us if you are brand new around here and leave a like to the video Great review, subscribe wherever you are listening and we will catch you guys next time